Welcome to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it so you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Time is tight. That's why our advisors have wrapped up today's most timely topics into a podcast with actionable advice. Now, let's get down to business. Hey, Paul. Hey, Kim. How are you today? I am doing great. How are you doing? Excellent. Glad to be back for another podcast. I know. This is a really cool one. So, you know, business owners, a lot of them don't have a board of directors. So they have to put together a team of professionals to become their board of advisors. And we have two of our experts here today to talk about that. Absolutely. With us today are Dorothy Tucker and Jake Driggers. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Excited to be here. So, Jake, how do you find the right team of advisors? A lot of times I feel like somebody meets a banker, somebody meets a lawyer, and they kind of think, well, okay, this is my this is my option. Here's what I'm going with. But I kind of told the joke in planning for this that, you know, you probably didn't meet your significant other going on one date, and they're like, well, I'm with this person now. So I think it's a lot of trial and error and a lot of meeting and kind of kissing a lot of frogs before you find your prince, so to speak. Um but I, I think it's just through trial and error. And I think once you find that one person kind of in this network we're going to discuss today who maybe knows a lot about your business or your industry, they can kind of help you be a great resource to find others in different fields and different expertises that aren't theirs. I, I agree. Also, I feel like um, particularly with small businesses, it's it's a struggle. Sometimes you, you, you wear so many hats that you don't even really have time to find your advisors. So you you have to make your highest and best use. You got to try to find an I find that getting involved in your industry or being around people that are your like-minded that that you can lean on and then you can start to feel out like what works for them and what that what doesn't work for them and you have to have a good rapport you have to feel good about the relationship you know like you said you can't just like say hey can you be my banker you have to make sure that they work well with you and understand your industry and have your interests probably forefront, right? Right, right. And that's probably you have to be like-minded. Piece. I always like, especially when you're finding your accountants, like there's many, many accountants out there. You know, you've got to, you got to find your accountant that has the same risk threshold as you do. So there's black, there's white, and there's gray. So you want to make sure you have a good rapport with them and that their risk is in the same bucket as yours. That's a really good point. So who should be on your team of advisors? Well, when we talk with our clients, the main four we like to sort of uh, recommend to them would be bankers, lawyers, accountants, and risk management or insurance professionals. Yeah. So for a banker, I feel like it's really necessary to have someone that understands your industry. Particularly, it it just helps with underwriting, covenants, and um, a lot of clients are seasonal, and there are certain covenants that causes challenges to get through the bank if we particularly government contractors. They're very specific on what their needs are and having a a banker understand the terminology and the life cycle of their contract certainly helps with the lending process. So understanding the nuances specifically with government contractors that their receivables can't be collateral. And a lot of bankers, if they don't work with government contractors, they find that out and it scares them. Right, right. Well, I find that but one of like I, I do have a lot of government contractors that the biggest complaint is like every time I go to my banker I have to explain that we won this contract and we have to order these things and a bank that is typical with it they completely understand it and are able to modify and structure the agreement to have less heartache and less stress sure. in trying to get through 
because it's very stressful getting through the contract. You have a lot of things to go and the last thing you want to deal with is trying to explain to the banker why you need the money and for how long and the timing and the collectability and all of those things. So Something similar I've seen. I've done a lot of agricultural work and it's very similar in that if you think about the life cycle of a farmer, you know, their crop, they might be flush with cash at certain points of the year and just kind of very slow at other times uh, where traditionally banks kind of want their payments evenly throughout the year. Your cash flow might not necessarily facilitate that. So it's good to have somebody that really understands your industry and can kind of structure your loans around that. Sure. And with insurance, you know, with contractors, general contractors, and understanding things like bonding and, mm-hmm. you know, what is working capital? How that's does right. work? And then lawyers, I'm, I'm assuming lawyers from a, just knowing that every scenario that you might need a lawyer is different, right? So if you've got a general counsel that handles your day-to-day and you have a fraud come up or a breach come up, you that's probably a different lawyer that you need on that team. So having somebody that... Well, just special rules and regulations within your industry that might be typical that they can kind of help you navigate those landmines of, you know, they've seen it with other clients of theirs and kind of can give you the roadmap to how to avoid other uh, circumstances maybe some of the other clients have gotten themselves into. And with CPAs, it's the way that we are set up as a firm is to really specialize in an industry because the world is changing so fast and every industry is is different and understanding what's happening in that industry you're able to be a proactive advisor to the client to be able to tell them how they need to prepare as opposed to giving them advice on how to respond to something that's already happened right right and like for us as accountants so since you you do your industry knit and i am try to participate in any groups that are in my industry niche, like government contracting. So I'm around people all the time and hear what their experiences are so that I can sort of be a more of a resource to them and create value outside of just preparing financial statements or tax returns or things like that. Because, you know, they look at you for so many questions of staffing and recruiting and who's hiring, who's laying off, who's this. So if you're in that industry group, that you can really be much more of a resource for them. And I think we do. Dorothy and I work together on government contractors quite a bit, and we've spent a lot of time um, facilitating and developing those relationships of other professionals in the industry. And that kind of goes back with what we said earlier that, you know, it's it's kind of cool because we can be a resource to our clients because we do have this specialty knowledge and know a lot of people in the field um, that when they do come to us and say, hey, I, I really need a new attorney. I need a new you know insurance person. We can kind of be that resource to say, I know two or three really good ones that know your industry, know kind of what your challenges are, you know, would be happy to set up. So it's kind of like once you find that key one or two people, it can really help facilitate finding the others. Jake and I were very mindful. We actually set up a matrix of like who we know, what they're good at, so that we have like a a go-to list of people in particular areas or insurance, lawyers, if you have a protest of this and this, like I build relationships and then we... We were very mindful about it to make sure that we had it so that we can be a resource. And that's a huge value to your clients who they don't have the time to go research and, you know, the the book of lists of all the attorneys that are out there and find out and vet them. You already know who's who's a player in the in the field and who is good at specific, you know, things that come up within that field. So you're able to quickly refer them to somebody that you know is an expert in that in that area. Right. Yeah. So what are some of the other benefits 
kind of long term, really, as it relates to having this team of advisors as your as your company changes? To me, it really helps with if you as a business owner know a uh, big picture where you want to go with your business. If you have this team of advisors around you, they can help you kind of navigate to get where you want to go. It's a much, much less painful process to get there. And it's also a lot less timely to get where they want to go versus those who maybe don't have that infrastructure set up. There's a lot more time and effort and heartache involved in that. And they usually can't sell their business for as much. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, so, so you'll, you'll make more money in a transaction if you have all of these things lined up ahead of time. So it just makes everything. So you spend less money. And um, I think there's value and added that you have all your ducks in order and that you have doing the right things, the right policies, the right procedures so that when you come to that exit, if that's where you choose to go, you can maximize on your exit. Or if that exit comes early and you weren't expecting it, you're not scrambling at the last minute. You're, you're always prepared even though you may say, I want to do my business for 10 years, at the beginning of that year one or year two, you need to be ready for 10 years. And it's and it, scalable to some degree, but hey, if it comes early, I need to be ready to go. There's a lot of folks, and I, I mean, obviously, being an auditor, I see it a lot more in the accounting phase in my day-to-day, but you know that maybe they don't want to or think they don't need to invest in accounting infrastructure within their own company. But when you're looking at someone that's looking to possibly acquire their company, they're going to need accurate and timely financial information. And if you aren't set up to provide them that in a timely manner, it's going to slow and potentially kill any deal out there, you know, an offer to buy your company. And they're looking at you from the risk and the control perspective, you know, they're looking at you on, are you a good enough setup shop that I can come in, plug and play and we can keep moving on? And, or am I buying a bunch of risk and issues that I don't know about? Correct. And so, that that kind of structure is helpful. Which I think that's where the insurance risk management comes in. Like you really need to make sure that, because um, if someone's going to come in and buy you, they don't want to, they, they need to know that you've been fully covered. So they're not buying any risk or there's potential liability out there that they don't even know what's going on. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So we talked about at the beginning, Jake, you, you referenced that, you know, it's a little like dating, you know, you got to meet some people and you got to see who you connect with and where there's synergy. And do you have the same tolerance of risk and all those things, but what else can you do to try to assemble this team to be able to have a strong board of advisors? Um, there's, Plenty of local groups you can probably join, such as local maybe CEO councils. That's one of the ones we participate in as our firm to get to know other professionals in the, in the local area. is a good one. Correct. C12. There's a couple other ones There's like that. CEO exchange. There's all kinds of uh, CFO exchange. I apologize. Um, there's also a lot of inter-industry networks. Um, Dorothy and I participate here um, in Women in Defense, which is we've got- They a, let you into that, Jake? I've- never been in defense and haven't been a woman for years and they still let me participate within the and he's the treasurer i'm the i'm I'm a board member yeah and there are three men three gentlemen on the board with me so um but that's they're looking to diversify they absolutely are (laughs) um but uh that's that's been a great resource for us as far as we've met both potential or existing clients from there but we've also met other professionals through that organization and if they're attending those meetings and participating and on the board Generally, it's because they have a significant business interest in that specific industry. 
there's some like CFMA for construction. There's um, women in technology. Mm-hmm. There's there, construction, real estate for women. Manufacturing, you know, Bama, I think is one of the ones around here that they do. ABC, Association a, of Builders and Contractors. Yeah, I think every industry has some sort of association or group that you could be affiliated with. I found that that's where I've learned most of my resources is that if they're passionate enough to go to these and spend their own time on there, they really have a vested interest in that group. And then there's some that are a little bit more generic that you could probably go to, like the Chamber of Commerce or the Rotary, and then you've got ACG and um, things like that. If you're looking for somebody specialized, the challenge with that is, and I think you kind of alluded to it with what you were saying, is a lot of times, and this goes along with you have to meet a lot of people before you probably find that, is a lot of people will probably tell you like, yes, we do that, or yes, we we know about government contracting, or we know about agriculture. It's like, yeah, but how much time do you realistically spend in that industry? Just because you're a banker and you have one agriculture client? That's a better question to ask, right? So instead of saying, do you have experience with nonprofits, you can say, how much time do you spend in the nonprofit industry? Correct. You know, what's a percentage of your time that you're dealing with the nonprofit industry? Well, I think there's things, particularly in the ag industry, that from a tax perspective, there's so many. I feel like, you know, the IRS gives a lot of benefits to farmers and uh, fishermen, you know. So I think knowing that, um, we've picked up a lot that from smaller firms that may not realize there's certain credits out there for farmers and you can uh, do cash basis, even though you have that. like, so they have certain special rules with it. I think that it's important to have somebody that sure. knows those rules. Yeah. Uh, one of my agricultural clients recently reached out to us. Um, they had an insurance agent, um, that reached out to them and said, Hey, you know, we had a hurricane hit the state of Florida two or three years ago, uh, hurricane Irma. And it, it, devastated one of their crops and you know at the time i believe there were rules and regulations in place that you could only collect up to i believe it was something like $150,000 which clearly there was more damage done to their field than that um well their insurance agent reached out to them recently and said there's some sort of special credit out there that if 95% of your revenue is derived from agriculture um you can exceed that $150,000 limit uh, and I believe it was up to $900,000. That's a pretty well, big swing. Correct. So they reached out to us and it, it needed the forms, the government forms needed to be signed by CPA, basically verifying that, you know, indeed 95% of your revenue is coming from agriculture. But the point to all of that, and this is a small family owned farm, so we're not talking some big national conglomerate, that additional funds went huge. I mean, it was it was a game changer for them. Um, and in my mind, if you'd have been dealing with just a general run of the mill type insurance agent, they probably wouldn't have known to even be looking for that or known of this special program going on, wouldn't have known to reach out to them and said, you guys need to apply for this. Um, and that would have been ultimately $750,000 they lost. That's significant. And so when I look at that, it's like, wow, we need to go talk to our clients to go talk to their insurance guys, you know, so that. It was nice that they reached out to us to let us know so that we can let all of our other ag clients know that this is an opportunity out there that they should probably reach out and see if they qualify for. And you bring up a really good point that there's a benefit to the client to put this board of advisors together so that they are getting all of the industry expertise and knowledge. But there's a there's an advantage to us as an advisor to build that team around us as well and and meet regularly and talk because 
the insurance agent is going to be getting information that's different than what we as CPAs are going to be getting and vice versa, right? So if that group is continually talking, then you're getting updates from the banker, from the attorney, from the insurance agent, all sharing that knowledge. And so you're you're benefiting, there's a benefit to the advisor as well. Yeah, we take a lot of pride, uh, Dorothy and I, when we started really trying to build our, our expertise and being that resource for our clients. And it kind of gets back to some of our earlier conversation where we had to meet with a lot of people here locally who kind of said, quote unquote, yeah, we, we do this type of work. And we would kind of vet them using a lot of these questions and kind of what Dorothy alluded to earlier, do your interests kind of align with ours? Um, and do you really have an expertise in this field versus, yeah, we've got a client who's in this industry. Um, and, and, you know, I think that creates a lot of value for our clients and that I feel like Dorothy spends probably half her time most days talking with her clients and advising them a lot of times in fields that has nothing to do with accounting. As a business owner, this all sounds really good and is helpful to grow the business, but it's going to come at a cost um, to have these advisors. What is your, what is your conversation with clients related to that, that cost? I mean, in theory, in any kind of good business relationship, in my opinion, the advisor should more than pay for their own services. Now, does that mean a direct cash return of you know what you're paying or investing or more no sometimes it can be in savings right so if you're talking about a lawyer um and potential litigation or other matters that they could save you money on um hopefully would far outweigh what you're investing to retain them makes sense um same thing with accountants i mean you would hope that they would be able to offer you some sort of maybe tax savings and different credits um in the example we used earlier with the insurance agent helping you find uh, I don't want to say loopholes, but helping you, you know, kind of realize what is out there that, you know, maybe you're entitled to. Well, I think in particularly with bankers that if you have a good banker and accountant, it will help facilitate cash flows to make you grow your business as yeah. efficiently as possible. And then you mentioned earlier around, you know, advising you when's the right time to sell your business and the potential that you have for increasing the amount that you're able to get for your business because of all the advice and that you've been able to take into your company throughout that whole time. And we see it a lot of times with business owners that, you know, come across multiple, I mean, none of us ever know what the future holds. So, you know, maybe in their mind, in a perfect world, their children will take over the business one day, but then we get to that point, they're getting ready to retire and maybe the kids just aren't interested. Um, well, I don't want to keep doing this for another 10 years, so I want to get out. What can we do? Well, if you've got a team of advisors kind of working with you, hopefully before you reach that point of I want out tomorrow, um, then you can help kind of facilitate the steps. It will help make that exit a lot easier and a lot more uh, lucrative for you. What is the one thing you want listeners to, to take away from this conversation about building a team of advisors? Any good team of advisors are going to help add value to your business. Is, is the bottom line. Um, I think it's up to you as a business owner to sort of do your due diligence and make sure you find the right advisors to surround yourself with. But if you do that, they should add a lot of value and a lot of return on investment to your business. My advice is as business owners to actually lean on these advisors. I, I often see that they want the advice, but they don't know how to ask for it. So um, just take regular meetings to talk about nothing. You know, I think that just helps with rapport and you'd be surprised how many things come out and how you can help. I mean, just because I'm an accountant doesn't mean that I can't be a resource for various other things. 
it's really good, really good conversation, really good stuff for business owners to think about. Um, Dorothy, Jake, thank you all very much for, for being here and being with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you for having us. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to our podcast series, or make a suggestion for other topics to cover, visit us at warrenaverett.com forward slash the wrap.